Well, good evening and good morning, Los Angeles. Welcome back to another episode of the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and we are going to be live in studio with you for the next hour as we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. I encourage you to head over to Apologetics.com to check out our newly designed website. Harry Edwards has worked uh, the last few months trying to get a little bit of updated content on there and a little bit uh, updated format, so we'd love to... Uh, hear from you, and uh, if you have any insight or you know comments on on that, you could email us. Uh, you could email me, uh, Jason at apologetics dot com. We'd love to hear from you, and if you have any questions really about the Christian faith, and you'd like to chat or dialogue about any of the topics that we cover on these Friday night radio shows, you could always email us, uh, Jason at apologetics dot com. Uh, this show is sponsored tonight by the Branch of Hope Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Torrance, California. I am a member there. I'm a deacon there. And we've been kind of partnering with Apologetics.com for, you know, more than a decade now. We we love this ministry, and we come in once a month to uh, provide some content, some apologetic content uh, for the listening audience. And we love to interact with you. Um, so please call us, 888-995-5552. That's 888-995-KKLA. If you have any questions really about Christianity, defending the scriptures, defending the Bible, apologetics, uh, we would love to take your call and have a little conversation. Or if you um, just kind of listen into this topic tonight and you have some comments, uh, we'd love to have you join our conversation. In studio tonight with me is my good friend, Tony Yu. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for being here. He's a regular contributor to our show, a good friend, and he is a passionate evangelist. He loves to hit the streets, share the gospel uh, whenever he can, and just a huge blessing and encouragement in uh, the Christian faith. And so tonight, what Tony and I you know, have decided to discuss... I did a lecture series a couple months ago at our church. We do apologetics seminars every three or four months. And we did a a kind of a five-lecture series on eschatology, kind of the end times. And we at Branch of Hope take what's called more of a a post-millennial perspective on the outworking of God's kingdom in the world, which is different from – I'd say the more popular end times perspective of today, which is this idea that you know we're going to get raptured, and then there's going to be a whole lot like of downhill. Like basically, history is going to be trending downhill for the most part, and the church is going to get raptured, and then the tribulation comes and things get really bad for a while before uh, the return of Christ. And the postmillennial view um, does not look at the end times. Uh, kind of panning out that way it kind of takes a different approach or perspective of god's kingdom actually you know spreading out towards to the ends of the earth really as the gospel goes forward we expect that there's going to be a transformation that people's hearts and minds are going to be changed and that's going to lead to more blessing more flourishing and just more peace and righteousness and justice in general, and that's going to continue to to increase and grow um, towards you know the second coming of Christ. That doesn't mean there's never going to be opposition. That there's never going to be 
um, people who still hate God and rebel against him and war against him. But in general, for the most part, it'll be like the leaven slowly working through the whole lump and God's kingdom will continue to expand. Um, Our focus is not on eschatology tonight, but it is on this idea of blessings and curses and how we should look uh, to kind of the world and the culture and the events of our times. Like, should we look at that with an optimistic perspective or should we look at kind of what's going on around us as, well, this is kind of God's will and we should, you know, maybe rejoice, you know, that things are getting worse because that means, you know, Christ is near. Um, You know, how should we really approach that? And so although Tony and I come at this, we have different, we are on those different sides of the eschatology Logical uh, perspective, but we're we're definitely on the same side when it comes to God's kingdom. You know how it how it kind of advances through the gospel, through the proclamation of the gospel. Um, and we both, you know, interestingly enough, he texted me a few weeks ago and was like, "Hey, have you read Leviticus twenty six? You know, it kind of like really parallels a lot of." you know, what we seem to be going through in, you know, our lives and in the world. And I said, yeah, that's really interesting. I, you know, have you read Deuteronomy 28? Because I was, I was lecturing on Deuteronomy 28 as part of my um, apologetic seminar. And it's a whole chapter on blessings and curses and how, you, you know, you have blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And so we're kind of going to be using that as a backdrop for tonight's discussion and show – but we wanted to start off kind of going to the beginning, right? We kind of need to lay a little bit of a foundation here on, you know, what should we expect when, you know, how how should we expect the influence of God's kingdom to affect the culture and the world around us, right? And, you know, has God decreed for his kingdom and his people, right, living out his precepts, has God decreed for his kingdom to be a blessing to the world around us or not? Right? And so kind of at a very surface level, the idea that God intends for his kingdom, you know, and Tony, chime in here um, anytime. You know, to me, the idea that God intends for his kingdom and his people to be a blessing, right, to the world around us seems pretty obvious, right? Just based on what we know about God's character, right? If God is the most glorious being of all, right? Then when we exalt him and proclaim him and share him with the world around us, I believe it should by necessity bring about all manner of good things, right? Um, What are your thoughts on that, man? Absolutely. What we worship will become more like so if we worship the God of the universe who is all good, uh, we're going to be more like him. Mm. Um, things like hospitals, orphanages, all of these things come from the Christian faith. Uh, the idea that women are of equal value to men comes from the Christian faith. All of these ideas right. that the, the liberal um, politics relies on comes from the Christian faith, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I think, um, you know, we, if we're good sh- soldiers of Christ, right, and we and we go out and declare his truth and his glory 
and his grace to the ends of the earth, I believe, you know, that should result in, you know, goodness and blessing. Um, it seems kind of contrary that if we were doing that, like, faithfully, if we were going to the ends of the earth and bringing God and his glory and his grace, it would seem that um, to say that when we do that, it would result in more sin and more darkness and more evil seems kind of, in my perspective, a little bit um, backwards. What do you think? completely agree. I mean, I think almost everybody hearing this right now would have to agree that the world is becoming a much, much darker place. And that, to me, is a sign that the church is not doing its job of proclaiming the gospel and preaching the law and calling people into righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like being that salt and that light, right? That's Absolutely. what God calls us to be. Salt is a preservative, right? right? It kind of keeps things from from getting, you know, going bad and getting, you know, uh, moldy and, you know, corrupt and all that stuff. And so I wanted to start kind of um, asking the question, well, what does God say, right? Um, by going back to the beginning um, of Scripture and... You know, if we consider Genesis, right, start looking at Genesis, we know God created everything glorious, perfect. At the end of day six, everything was beautiful. Everything was good. We know that after that, Satan tempted Adam and Eve. They fell into sin and rebellion, and the whole creation is still feeling the devastation of that fall, right? So you have the the creation, then you have the rebellion and the fall, and then almost immediately... God covers the nakedness of Adam and Eve and gives us a glorious promise in Genesis 3, verse 15. And it's the first redemptive promise in the Bible. And it reads this. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking to um, Satan here. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. And, you know, theologians refer to this as the Proto-Evangelion, which is basically the first gospel, the first good news. And so as soon as creation fell into death and decay because of sin, God stepped in to to begin this process of redemption, right, where God would progressively restore all things back to their state of goodness and perfection. And so this promise tells us with certainty that God's purposes in the world will not be frustrated by Satan. In fact, he will he will crush the head of, of, of Satan. And the entire course of Scripture is really a description and fulfillment of that promise. And it culminates in Christ, right? And where the fatal blow to sin and to Satan was delivered at the cross. You know, victory was declared at the empty tomb, at the resurrection— when Jesus rose from the grave. And that's kind of the big picture. Um, And we're kind of leading up towards Deuteronomy 28. But before we get there, we have Genesis 12, right? And here we see God's choosing of Abraham to be the father of his people. And he calls his people Israel, right? And in his choosing of Abraham, he, he tells of his intentions. And so if we read in Genesis 12... Verses 1 to 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. 
I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so right there, I think we clearly see that God chooses to bless the entire earth, right, all the families of the earth, through a people, namely the children of Abraham. And we know that um, Old Testament Israel, right, were all the physical descendants of Abraham and those who joined the nation through circumcision, right? And today, that family, like Israel today, is made up of all who by faith call upon the name of Christ and look to him for salvation, the true Israel, right? And, um, and this nation, God declares, will be both blessed and and a blessing to all the families of the earth. Any thoughts? Well, um, just as Israel seemed to have failed to spread the faith throughout the earth, I think we're seeing the church falter. That's why we're seeing so much darkness in the land right now. And Mm. I think we need to call the church back into action. The church needs to repent, and we need to get out into the streets and call people to repentance and faith in Christ. Right. And when you see the curses in Deuteronomy 28 and the blessings, it reminds us back all the way back to Genesis 3 where everything fell apart because of disobedience. Mm -hmm. So Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 is not very much different from that. Yeah. I think that's a great point. We need to be in the streets calling people to repent and believe to turn from their sin. And I think, you know, one thing you mentioned kind of earlier when we were talking was uh, we really need to, that really needs to start in the church, right? Pastors first also need to be calling those who are in the pews Sundays to repent, right? If, if those who proclaim the name of Christ, who name the name of Christ, aren't walking in obedience, you know, that's a problem, Right. And we don't walk, and I think it's important, we don't walk in obedience in order to merit God's favor, do we? No. No. It's the opposite. We walk in obedience because he's loved us and paid such a great price to bring us to him. Right. How dare we redo the very things that got him crucified? Amen, yeah. But I I don't want pastors to stop at just merely calling the church to repent. That's Mm -hmm. a starting point. Right. I want pastors to be experts at going out onto the streets and calling people to, to Christ yeah. and telling his sheep how to and leading them onto the streets like Spurgeon who was one of the greatest street preachers I want to see every pastor on every street corner preaching yeah. the gospel and preaching the law well who's 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 our greatest example Jesus Jesus street preacher street preacher and who was his congregation primarily anybody who would listen who are the regulars who are the regular attenders street people the 12 disciples mm-hmm. right that was his crew right those were the people who are with him day and night and what did he do he led them out evangelizing he led them out evangelizing that's his version of oh. discipleship and that's his version of being the good shepherd right being the good pastor Discipleship is right. far more than just meeting at Starbucks and reading a passage together once a week. Mm-hmm. Jesus took his disciples out evangelizing, and then afterwards he taught them. Taught them, right. It's both. 
Right. You need to be doing both. Amen. And we're going to get into the Great Commission and how this all ties to the Great Commission. Um, this idea of, you know, going into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And obedience is definitely part of the Great Commission. And it's we, right there. Yeah. And we're going to – we're kind of – going to show you guys why the Great Commission is really simply taking some of these truths that are seen in the Old Testament and calling us to go and uh, make make disciples. Right. And obedience isn't legalism. No. It's only legalism if you think that through obedience you're saved. Right. It's calling people to obedience, which shows that we need to be saved. And then once we're saved, we seek to obey because God saved us and changed us and given us a new nature. Mm-hmm. And we want to obey out of the overflow of our heart, mm-hmm. our transformed heart. Amen. Yeah, I mean, children who obey their parents don't obey their parents in order to become their parents' children. And if that's the case, there's right? a problem there. They're, they're already in the family. Right. A true child who truly who, who obeys their parents, um, old, like the primary motivator for that is simply a love for their parents. Right. right. They love their parents and they want to obey their parents. And if we love God, our father, we should want to please him and obey him. That should be like pleasing to our heart. Right. And so going back to Deuteronomy four, uh, verses five through 10, it reads this. Surely I've taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord, my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land, which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, to observe all these commandments. Be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that God has so near to it, the Lord, as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him? And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments? as are in all this law which I set before you this day. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things you have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. And so we see here kind of a God's... This is them being salt and light, right? And God basically tells them, when you obey me, and other nations see you obeying me and they see the the blessing that you have from being in relationship with me and being in covenant with me, other nations will look and see, wow, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. You know, what great nation is there that has God so near to it, right? And what great nation is there that has such such statues and righteous judgments as are in his law, which I set before you? And so you see a picture here of... A nation, when they are obedient and walking in God's ways, will be a testimony to other nations, and they will desire to have kind of what they have, that blessing. In the history of Israel, that was true for about a minute. Yeah. Under Solomon and David, right? Yeah, they never got to that part of really walking in obedience. And this reminds me of another great nation, the United States. Mm -hmm. And in the scope of history, we were great for about a minute Mm -hmm. and we're crashing right now. And I want to take 
this evening to call America to repentance. Mm. America is going down the drain because the church has failed. The church is playing church, not calling its own members to repentance and not calling yeah. strangers to repentance and faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to throw out our number again. If you'd like to call us, um, please do join the conversation. 888-995-5552. That's 888-995-KKLA. And we do have a caller on the line. I'm going to head over to Brock. And Brock, how you doing? You're on the air with apologetics.com. Hi, I'm being blessed by your program. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for listening, uh, man. What's on your mind? Yeah. Uh, I've heard um, just along the lines with uh, obedience, uh, it's in First John, I don't know exactly where, but um, basically because we have the Spirit of Christ, um, we want to please Him in everything, right? And so that's that, you know, kind of, the obedience thing where some people might knee-jerk and, you know, say, hey, isn't that legalism? Um, another thing that uh, I've noticed is just uh, the power of holiness, if not preaching, um, and maybe that's been lost a little bit. Um, I've, uh, in the past, I've misunderstood, I think, grace, and, um, you know, the gospel is the power to save a life and the Amen. purpose, right? So when G- Jesus was talking with his um, disciples in John 8, um, once again, I don't have it in front of mm-hmm. me exactly, but the truth that sets people free mm-hmm. is, um, you know, what's leading up to that, right? His word, Amen. right? And so when when we're receiving the word with the intent to apply the word, then we're being disciplined by the word for what? Mm -hmm. The chastening so that we would yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Okay. And so then when first John talks about, um, one of the Johns, excuse me, the the epistles, he talks about, um, walking in the light and walking Mm -hmm. in truth and Mm -hmm. walking in love with one another these things are interrelated because the love of God produces, um, just my opinion, produces a desire for holiness, to be like him, and to be submissive because we know that's where our, um, our, our future is, right? When we're looking to Christ in that, we understand there's going to be that, um, the trials are so that we would um, walk in faith, so that we would have the the old man be done with, and it's a it's a continual battle, right? You know, Romans sure. seven. Oh yeah. But that we are we're serious and committed to right to this, and so that's why we we stir up one another to love and good works. That's why we have, um, you know, the the people who have the spiritual gifts of encouragement and exhortation, and the collective body in the the understanding of growth in Christ, like Ephesians 4, until we're all growing up into the knowledge of Him. Right. And so I, I think what the enemies has been successful at is a kingdom divided cannot stand. And with all the lies here and there, and then you have entire, um, not to rant, but, you know, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see the benefit of 
um, kind of lukewarm um, preaching that I have experienced where we just, let's all evaluate all these different viewpoints and then mm-hmm. kind of, you know, okay, well, we, we kind of understand this without, without taking it, you know, kind of like a hard line. Hey, this is the truth. This is what Jesus says, you know, and amen, you know, I, we believe what Jesus says. Um, and I think that's, that's really tough. You know, non-essentials, let's get away from that. Paul just wanted to preach Christ and him crucified. And I think that's something that's there in the beginning. The power in the book of Acts is the new life. And, and that's where, um, I, I just personally believe that's, if there is an answer in calling the church to repentance, um, the revival we're all looking for is what um, I believe it's Peter's, uh, you know, big speech. You know, that's only what under under a few minutes or something. Right. Um, and the church was born, but it was. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but the idea yeah. is repent and be baptized, mm-hmm. calling the name of the Lord, and receive the promise. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, the, the interesting thing there in the Greek uh, for refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshing, if you look at it, it's it's a word for revival. Mm, okay. And so the revival is coming from the spirit of the living God. And mm-hmm. I think that's so true. Um, but as far as confession, as far as um, accountability and repentance, we have the Lord's um, instruction that he spoke in the past to his church, and yet it's still applicable mm-hmm. to all those who have ears to hear. And yeah. it begins with those of us who do, because maybe some of these, you know, the other people, they're being choked out, um, you know, by the cares, the cares of, the of this life, and yeah. they're being unfruitful. But they do, they do have that, that seed planted within them. And, mm-hmm. and they need those of us who know and are willing to do the hard work yeah. to repent, to be gracious, to be humble, but also to reach out to those that we know that maybe are um, not, not walking right and, and encourage I, them in yeah. the things of the Lord. And thank you so much. I don't know if you hear the music, but we are up against a break, Brock, and we do uh, appreciate the call, that man. I, thank I, you so much. Hey, yeah, thanks for calling. God bless. God bless you, man. We appreciate the uh, the note of encouragement, and we will discuss some of uh, Brock's comments on the other side of this break. You are listening to the Apologetics.com radio show. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. 
Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. Let me give you a simple tip today. We cannot be right with God until we are right with others. Hello, I'm Chuck Swindoll. If you are resentful of the way someone has treated you, if you're holding it against that person, hoping for the time you can retaliate, you need to ask God to free you from that bondage. The secret, plain and simple, forgiveness. Claim God's power to forgive through Jesus Christ. Begin here. Ask His forgiveness for cultivating that deep root of bitterness within your own heart, and then count on Him to do that. Letting go of that bitterness and watching the rest of your relationships open up, including your relationship with God, one of the greatest joys in life. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. This is John MacArthur. Join me today for Portraits of Grace. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, he was stating a truth that has been especially dear to me since the early days of my theological education. I may never fully comprehend the depth of what it means to belong to Christ, but I will forever glory in it. Peter said, you're a people for God's own possession, which means God bought us with a price. Christians are uniquely God's because He paid the price to redeem us from the bondage of sin and death. Thus we are His. And since we are His eternally, we must live accordingly and rejoice in such a glorious privilege. This is John MacArthur encouraging you to live as portraits of grace. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. We are in the second half of our hour-long radio show. We are live in studio. We are in the KKLA studios in Glendale, California right now. I am here next to my good friend Tony Yu, and we are looking at how the influence, how should we expect the influence of God's kingdom to affect the culture around us? Should we expect God's kingdom, God's people, as they go to the ends of the earth with his gospel and his grace, should we expect the outworking of that to result in blessings? Or should we expect that as his people are being faithful to do that, more sin, more evil, and more darkness would be kind of the natural outworking of that? Would that that make any sense? Our position is that it would not make any sense And so we are taking a tour through uh, the Old Testament and kind of showing what God's uh, purpose was for his people. Namely, we looked at Abraham. You know, God desired to bless the entire earth. All the families of the earth were were, um, promised to be blessed through Abraham and his seed. And we know that we, by faith today, are the children of Abraham. If we have repented and believed and put our faith in Christ— The Apostle Paul says that uh, we are the true Israel, right? We are truly united to Christ. You know, we are part of his family. And so God desires, actually, to continue to bless all the families of the earth through his people, 
through us, through those who, who name the name of Christ. And so we've been kind of unpacking that a little bit. And uh, we will be going into Deuteronomy 28 here in a little bit, which talks about blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And if you read Deuteronomy 28, it's quite a list, right? Both the blessings and the curses. The curses are actually four times longer than the blessings, right? Um, so there's about 15 verses on the blessings that come from obedience, and there's about you know 50 or more verses on the curses that come from disobedience. So it's pretty serious stuff, and we'll be taking a little bit closer look. But before we do that, I wanted to throw our number out again. If you want to join this conversation, chime in, or just ask any question really about apologetics or the Bible, defending the faith, uh, call us at 888-995-5552. It's 888-995-KKLA. And we do have Susan on the line, so I'm going to jump over to Susan. Hopefully I get this right. Susan, I believe you are on the air with apologetics.com. How are you tonight? Hi. Hi there. How are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. What's on your mind? Okay. Um, well, when I tuned in, I heard you talking about uh, eschatology a little bit and that mm-hmm. you don't take the premillennial view that you uh, like concerning the rapture. Mm. And I've noticed kind of a trend towards this kind of thinking. And, uh, you know, I've studied the pre and the mid and the pre-wrath and the post. Mm-hmm. And um, from my understanding of Scripture, I don't know how you can kind of get around um, the rapture as far mm. as, okay. uh, you know, the Lord commissioned us to take the gospel into all the world. Um yeah. But he does say, you know, when he ascended into heaven, he went to the Father's house to prepare a place for us, mm-hmm. for his own. And then he said that um, <clears throat> he, in First Thessalonians, well, he said, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be. Also, I will come and receive you to myself. And then in First Thessalonians 4, mm-hmm. he says, you know, regarding the coming of the Lord and and are being gathered unto him. Mm-hmm. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven mm-hmm. to shout with the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God. Yes. And the dead in Christ will rise first, mm-hmm. and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and ever be with him. Yes. So, I mean, to me, I think about how, you know, um, Paul said, I have not shunned from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Amen. And... And then, and then I just look at how a third of Scripture is prophetic and how 85% of those prophecies have been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I mean, he basically Amen. downloaded history to Daniel, yeah. uh, showing, you know, that the Babylonian kingdom would be conquered by the Medes and the Persians and by Greece and by Rome, out of which would come the Messiah. Mm-hmm. All that's played out. Mm-hmm. And then it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus died and rose again. And then he says, you know, perilous times are going to come in these last days. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've been commissioned to go, and, and I agree with you all about sharing the gospel. Um, I go out mm-hmm. regularly talking to people. I'm involved with the ministry on Sunday afternoons at Seal Beach, where we worship, pray for people, pass okay. out gospel tracts, invite people to church. Try to, God. That's you know. great. Wonderful. But anyway, so I think that's great that you have a heart to call the church to repentance, to call people to know the Lord, and I feel mm-hmm. like this is a dispensation of grace when whoever will call upon the name of the Lord can receive the Holy Spirit, can be saved. 
But um, I, I don't understand um, what, okay, when you said we no longer hold that view, I just wonder what, yeah. what, you've, what do you do with Jesus saying he went to prepare a place for us, and then if you, if you look mm-hmm. to me in my study of looking at the feast, like you say, he mm-hmm. gave us the feast for signs and seasons, he fulfilled the first four on their given day, he became mm-hmm. the Passover lamb on Passover, Right. He was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He rose on first fruits, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. Mm-hmm. And so, those four feasts have been fulfilled by Jesus. And the, the trumpet, you know, when he comes for his bride, and then you know, in Matthew twenty four, thirty seven to thirty nine, he said, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, I wanted to gather you as a mother hen does her chicks, but you would not." Because you missed your time of visitation, you're not going to see me again. Mm-hmm. So you mourn for the one you pierced. But it's clear from Romans 9 to 11, he's not finished with Israel. Mm-hmm. So I don't agree with his replacement theology. And I believe that he, you know, the Revelation and Daniel speak of a time of Jacob's trouble, of Daniel's 70th week, when Jesus said those times are going to be, the tribulation is be is going to be greater than any other time in history. So mm-hmm. I do believe there's a coming judgment. And I kind yep. of just see the, the church moving away from that view, and I'm just kind of wondering okay. how you got away from it and why. I'm yeah. sorry to be so long-winded. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. I, that's fine. Totally fine. Um, I So I guess I'll just talk a little bit. So Tony is my guest in studio. He's definitely holds to the yeah. uh, rapture, premillennial kind of view. Um, I okay. used to hold to that view, and I have moved towards more of the post-millennial perspective, um, which kind of sees like most of what we read in Revelation ha- and the Great Tribulation and that sort of stuff, speaking of the time uh-huh. leading up to um, the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. Um, so it kind of okay. it looks at most of that being – fulfilled historically already um Uh and so that's just kind of the big framework there's a great book called an eschatology of victory by marcellus kick if you want to just read it for kind of like understanding um you know a different perspective not to you know Uh change your mind or anything but just to kind of um try and understand some of the other perspectives that are out there um well yeah, as for I the rapture, really um, yeah, go ahead. As for go the ahead. rapture, um, we do believe in a rapture. We we okay. we call it, or we see it as basically the resurrection of the dead, right? In First Th- First Thessalonians okay. four, when you have those who are asleep, mm-hmm. right, rising first, the dead in Christ, and then those who remain alive, that is the resurrection of the dead, like at the second coming, those who are dead will rise and those who are still remaining will, um, will rise as well. They'll meet the Lord in the clouds. Okay. So we don't see that as like a snatching of the church, just kind of out of history, just kind of like the left behind movie. We see that Uh basically coinciding with, I think what the, like the premillennial view still has, the 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 resurrection of the dead they still hold to that perspective so we see that as you know the rapture um and as far as okay let me ask you one question okay can i ask you one question 
Sure. Try to make it concise if you can. So, okay, so when Jesus says it's going to be like the days of Noah when the Son of Man comes. So the days of Noah, Noah and his eight were, were, were basically rescued. The rest of humanity perished in the flood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, if he says it's going to be like the days of Noah when the Son of Man comes again with people eating and drinking and marrying and planting and selling and buying and, you know, just business as usual. Yeah. And then they they didn't know that this judgment was going to come upon them. And then the scripture says that when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. So, um, kind of like this covenantal view of everything's kind of, kind of get better. Um, well, it's, it's, what yeah. do you do with that scripture? Where do you, how sure. do you place that with your view? Sure, sure. So Matthew twenty four thirty six, right? says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, right. so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Right. For in the days before right. the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Right, And they were oblivious right. until mm-hmm. the flood came and swept them all away. So will it be right. at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day on which your Lord will come. Right. And many people see that as as the rapture. Right. Uh-huh. Um, well, if we if we re, if we break that down just real quick. Right. They were oblivious until uh-huh. the flood came and swept them away. OK. So who right. did, who did the flood sweep away? God's chosen people or the unchosen people? Well, he rescued the ones, you know, knowing his family, and the rest perished. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Right? One Mm -hmm. One will be swept away, removed. The other one will remain. Right? So well, the ones that are taken we're away about the rapture. Well, right, but mm-hmm. if you read it in context, the ones that are taken away are the ones that perished. They're the ones that died in the flood, right? And the one that was left was, you know, God's people, Noah and his family. In that passage, so, it's ambiguous uh, I, I which one was good. Huh. In the one taken in the, away, or the one left. Uh-huh. In the context, I so. But okay. it, it's like that right. that passage for me, it used to be like, oh, this is the rapture. Look, two two people in the field and the one gets you know taken up to heaven. And But if you read it in context, this was one of the passages where I'm like, wow, if you really just take the time and read that, it's not talking about the rapture at all. Like if, yeah, if you, if you parallel it with the flood, the ones that got taken away, swept them all away, they were the ones that died outside of God's grace. And so the one taken away here should not be seen as well those are the people in God's favor of the church like it just it doesn't add up and there's a, you know just other oh. and so just just real quick okay, and then, as far as a timeline okay. goes um, mm-hmm. if you read 1 Corinthians 15 gives you a great timeline um, for kind of the mm-hmm. order the order of things right um, it says you know as in Adam all die even so in Christ all shall be made alive but each one in his own right. order. Christ, the first fruits. Afterward, those right. who are 
who are Christ's at his coming. So Christ the first fruit, he was already right. resurrected, right? After that one, right. those who are Christ's at his coming, that's the next resurrection that's going to happen. Then comes the end, right? When, when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. And it says, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. So the post-millennial view sees this period right now as God is ruling, mm-hmm. God is reigning, and he is now in this period where he's putting all of his enemies under his feet. Right, The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And so we see that taking place right now. God is in the process of putting all his enemies under his feet, and he's doing that through the preaching of the gospel – the advancement of his kingdom. Not he's not doing it through sword and you know war. He's doing it through love, through persuasion, through preaching of the gospel. But that's going to continue. God's going to continue to put all his enemies under his feet, just like he's been doing since the time of Christ. You know, God's kingdom was Jesus and twelve twelve disciples, and it's just grown, mm-hmm. and now it's billions of people. So it's this constant upward trajectory, yeah. and we and. We see that just continuing on until all his enemies have been subdued and God hands over the kingdom well, believe, to his father. Okay. Do you believe in, a, in his millennial reign where it says that he will rule and reign for a thousand years and that he, he said he'd return? Um, he, he ascended from the Mount of Olives and yeah. he said he would return. And yeah. so the, in, in Revelation 20, it talks about him ruling and reigning. I mean, that's the truthful. Right. Amen. We're awaiting that com- coming. And so, I believe, and, and it yeah. says that Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. Do you, do you take that literally? Yeah. Well, no. Okay. It's not. It's not one thousand mm-hmm. years. Just like God owns the the cattle on a thousand hills, right? He, that's just he owns every cattle everywhere, right? He just owns all the cattle. Um, we believe that God is ruling and reigning now, right? So that's what we okay. That, Right, like he is ruling and reigning so, right now, um, as you just mentioned from. Do like, you think Revelation. we're living in the millennium? Would you say we're living in the millennium now, or you, you, so? So when it talks in Act, in, in Revelation twenty mm-hmm. that the, that Jesus is going to return and set up his millennial kingdom, basically fulfilling tabernacles, and that Satan will be bound for a thousand years and then loose for a season to make his final attempt against those. Uh, who opposed the Lord and then is sent to the lake of fire along with all whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You don't take that literally? Um, what do you, like, to, what do you mean yeah. by literally? Well, you know, to me, it, it's real clear how, like, you know. I believe that how, Satan how is how bound is, now. I think he has been bound up. Like the strong man. The, of this world. the strong man has been. He's he's but, been bound though. Like God defeated him at the cross, right? So Satan's right. Yeah. like he was he crushed his head at the cross. The the strong man has been bound, which is why now Jesus can go in and plunder his house, right? No one can plunder the strong man's house unless the strong man has been bound. And so we believe that Satan has been bound. You know, he still has his minions, right? But he's been mostly yeah. bound. He's bound up. And so we can go in and plunder his house. And he's still squirming and squealing and, you know, making a ruckus. But he is – he's bound. Like he's not going to be 
mm. you know, God, God's, God's reigning and God ruling. Like Satan is not, you know, the king of this world. God is right. right. God is sovereign and omniscient, and uh, Satan is not. But, but it does right. say that the whole world is going to wonder. I mean, to me, I think Revelation is clear that we're moving towards a one-world system, a one-world economic, religious, and political system that's going to mm-hmm. come under the Antichrist. And I mm-hmm. think this whole conditioning right. process is leading us up to that, where people will literally not be able to buy or sell unless they take the mark. And I, I see the whole conditioning process through media and just, you know... I see a lot of that, too. No, totally. I mean, that's definitely... There's conditioning, yeah. there's uh, social conditioning, there's yeah. brainwashing. And I mean, a lot of that's times, going on. you know... Yeah. Right. So... On a, you know, it says that Satan is actually the god of this world, and he's right. going to deceive. It says the whole world is going to wonder after him. So, I don't know. And I that was, studied, right. I just wanted to pipe in and just I, say I appreciate that, that I have studied the pre, mid, post, and pre-rap view, mm-hmm. and when you take it all together with, with Daniel, Revelation, Matthew, all the discourse, I believe there's a coming judgment. Uh-huh. You still there? Did we lose you? Yeah, he's prepared. Um, I do think that he's going to come for his own and take us to the Father's house. And those that have not accepted Christ are going to have to go through that period of tribulation. And, you know, I think that's going to be a period where the Jews are, you know, it's going to be a time where, you know, people will be slain for their faith, but he is going to come for his own and those that are saved out of that. And then set up his millennial reign. In Jerusalem, as he promised, right. he will come and literally rule and reign in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what the scripture says. So I just wanted to share, you know, my conviction that um, that, that I believe that he's going to fulfill every jot and tittle, including the rapture of the church, Amen. including the atonement when the Jews actually mourn for the one they pierced. And tabernacles when he sets up yeah. millennial reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years, and then ultimately when the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. Anyway, just looking to forward to that. God bless you guys, and have a wonderful rest of the evening. Amen. Thanks, Susan. Thank we appreciate you. the call very much. Okay. Call right. back again. You too. Bye. All right. Thanks for calling, Susan. We appreciate that. Can you guys help me out with that? <laughs> I'm going to jump over to another call real quick. It looks like we got Brock back on the line, wanted to elaborate on uh, something. Brock, how Hi. you doing, man? I know you're running up against Welcome uh, back. I know yeah. you're running up against the break. We're, yeah, 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 we Start were. Quick. And now we're, uh, uh, we're going to be running up against the end. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, called, we're called to preach Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. So mm-hmm. I think um, the judgment of no faith is really significant. Um, and that's kind of the answer to what you guys were asking earlier. How could it be the world getting darker? And I believe it's the lack of faith. And so the church, mm. we do have this power to take authority, yeah. and the gates of hell will not prevail against the um, advance of the kingdom of God when we're preaching the kingdom of God is near and at hand, and those who are called to the kingdom will come into the kingdom. That's the supernatural, accelerated, um, exponential growth, okay, that is possible Amen. when the Church uh, wakes up in the Holy Spirit and is yeah. empowered by the Lord 
to do what he called us to do. The second thing is uh, I want to just say Jeremiah 18, 11, and 12. God says, I want you to repent. The people didn't believe, and they just went to their own way. And that's what we're seeing. So if we repent, we see the problem, we repent, Mm -hmm. and then we get going, and we know that our Lord, our God's promises are good. They're all yes and amen. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a good night. Thank you, Brock. Yeah, that's a great segue to Deuteronomy 28, this idea of blessings and curses, because, you know, one of the things Brock said right there, um, if you guys could drop his call for me, I'm... Still figuring out all these buttons over here. Um, thank you. One of the things Brock said was, you know, Jeremiah, right? He calls his people to repent and they didn't, right? And they went their own ways and, you know, they reaped what they sowed. And so, Tony, Deuteronomy 28, right? Let's We can't unpack the whole thing right now. We're like under five minutes left. But let's kind of give the, the, the main picture here, right? God promises blessings when people obey, when people follow his precepts, it's naturally going to lead to good things, prosperity, blessing, flourishing, righteousness, justice, peace, all of those things. Um, just kind of yeah, give people the big picture here in yeah. a couple minutes. Let's read the very first verse in Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass if – there's a big if – If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. That introduces this this blessing section, Mm -hmm. which is the first 14-ish verses. Mm -hmm. And then if you scroll down, if you turn your page down to verse 15, there's a but. Mm-hmm. But it shall come to pass if there's another if, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Mm-hmm. So, in broad strokes, the very first verse of each section tells you what's going to happen mm-hmm. obedience, you will be lifted high above all the nations. But if you disobey, these curses will chase you down and they'll overtake you. And then I personally love the curse section. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> because it, it's actually, when you read through Deuteronomy twenty-eight fifteen to the end of the chapter, mm-hmm. when you read through that, you would swear you're reading current history. Mm-hmm. You would swear you're reading a description of what's happening in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're seeing. Even though the prophecy was intended for Israel, right? It's intended for the entire world. It's for anyone who disobeys. Any disobedient nation, really. Any nation that obeys God will be blessed. Yeah. Any nation that disobeys God will be cursed. Right. And He tells you in great detail how He's going to curse you, including right. diseases. Right. Right. Including aliens coming into your land and taking from you what you've earned. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it sounding familiar? Mm-hmm. It's very familiar. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so what should what should that cause us to think as Christians? When we look at the world around us, I don't think it should be, oh, this is the way God has planned things to go, and this is all good news because it means the end is near. No. Th- we should be able to look at the Old Testament and say, listen, these are the sort of things God has declared would happen to a nation who abandons God. 
we need to go into all the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That's what Jesus told us to do. Why would he teach us to observe all things that he has commanded? Because when we obey, it leads to blessing. And God wants his people, following his precepts, being obedient to his great commission, to go and bless all the families of the earth. And so that is kind of the hope that we have as Christians, to go and make disciples and preach the gospel, starting in our churches and then going out to the streets. So we thank you for listening to Apologetics.com. And we pray you have a blessed weekend and keep the faith.